we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, I'm seeing headlines now that say, is the U.S. headed for another surge? And I've been seeing that, of course, you see some of the reports coming out of Europe and that sort of thing. And this is the BA2 that you hear about the uh, the variant there, the sub-variant, if you will. Uh, and uh, so that's an interesting place to start. There's also a lot of talk about restrictions. Are they lifting them too much? That kind of thing. Uh, there's a lot of that. Talk a little bit about long COVID today. Uh, you know, hey, another report I see about the mask wearing, they may be uh, changing that up from the airports, uh, finally, that may be coming. All of that in this first segment here with, uh, well, this is the first time you're hearing it, uh, America Out Loud Pulse uh, with uh, Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and uh, who's on the other end of the mic? Dr. Peter McCullough. That's it, of course. So it's, we'll be with you every Wednesday. I'll tell you a little bit more about the show, Pulse, a little bit later in the program. I want to get right into it right now on this first edition here. All right, Dr. McCullough, so I see the headline in the Washington Post last week here is the U.S. headed for another surge. And it's about the Omicron BA2 uh, is spreading at home and abroad just as restrictions are lifting. So they're saying the surge, you, you know, you, we've seen what's happening in Europe and there was a little, a little bit of an uptick there. And they're talking about another wave or pandemic in the United States uh, as much of the country is starting to remove the restrictions. It goes on to say infectious disease experts are closely watching the subvariant of Omicron, uh, but they are seeing uh, cases rise in the U.S. Uh, what do you make of these kinds of headlines and stories on this BA2? BA2 basically has been a, a regression of a mutation from BA1. So the Omicron that most Americans know uh, was BA1, and it had a sufficient number of mutations in the spike protein where the primer for the um, PCR that detected the spike protein, it's called the S gene, dropped out. It was sufficiently mutated. Now with BA2, there's been, in a sense, a reinstallation of at least that portion of code that uh, creates the S gene signal on the PCR. So this is all technically to tell you that this back mutation is probably going to mean that BA2 is a bit more um, virulent, a little bit more of a severe syndrome, but the immunity from Omicron, of which there was a large number of people who were sick in uh, December, January, February, that immunity is going to carry them against a BA2 sub-variant resurgence. And we're not seeing that yet in the United States. There may be some pockets of susceptible individuals. It's not like China or not like Asia, particularly Korea, where they had large pockets of vulnerable people. And so for them, BA2 is the first infection. You know, China is still doing hard lockdowns. You see that. You know, they claim in Shanghai today that they had 5,000 new cases. I have to tell you, that is peanuts compared to what most major, major American cities had over the last few months. So China is having a swift, uh, very strong reaction to a small number of cases. Yeah. Now, the response from this, I just want to share quickly, the White House is still pushing the vaccines at a briefing last week. The uh, press secretary, Jen Osaki, said about 35,000 cases of BA2 have been reported. And but she offered uh, confidence that the tools we have, including the uh, messenger RNA vaccines, therapeutics and tests are effective tools against the virus. So they still are pushing that even with the downplay of all this. Is that what you see still happen, the trend? 
Well, she bundled things. The interesting thing was that the uh, virus is mutated enough where we've sequentially withdrawn monoclonal antibodies based on modeling studies, uh, where the modeling studies suggest, well, the the monoclonal antibodies won't work, including most recently the GlaxoSmithKline monoclonal antibody, Sotorivimab. So what we're left with is the Lilly product, uh, Bortolivimab, and then the AstraZeneca product, which is called Evushield, which is more of a long-acting protective shot. But I find it interesting how the government is very quick to pull the plug on therapeutics, particularly monoclonal antibodies, but they haven't been quick to pull the plug at all on the vaccines, which have not been changed to keep up with the ever mutating strains of the virus. Yeah, that's exactly my point. And you're perfect. I mean, you just made it. So it's really not a fair play from a lot of these reports I see from the White House. Now, the United States, is this clear? What I'm seeing here is about 65.3, they say, percent of the population, 216 million are fully vaccinated. Uh, interesting, only 96.1 million have received the booster shot. So that's kind of fallen off. Uh, and the numbers, uh, just coincidentally, in Germany are 76% and in Britain are 73%, so a little bit less than them. But here's what I find fascinating. I want to ask your opinion on. They say the lower vaccination rate is very likely to matter as BA2 spreads further in the United States. Now, here's my question to you. How can that be what they say there if the vaccines are not even prepared to deal with the BA2? I mean, they haven't been designed to, or have they? I understand they not even set up for that variant. So how can they help at all? I don't understand. They can't. There's no credible randomized trial data demonstrating that the vaccines even touch the Omicron variant. I had a patient today in uh, the hospital, Malcolm. Uh, He has severe heart failure, severe lung disease. Believe me, he would need protection. Mm -hmm. He took the vaccines, I believe, Pfizer in uh, December, in January of last year of, uh, of 2020, 2021, took the booster in August of 2021 on time. And effectively, he's unvaccinated right now. Anybody who's not taken a shot after October 1st is unvaccinated. So people need to realize that there's very few people at this point in time that can claim to be vaccinated. See, this is what worries me, what you're saying. And the misinformation here is incredible. And the fact that they're pushing that and suggesting that you got to get a vaccine or you'll get the BA2 and it's spreading. There's a lot of propaganda in there is, is my concern. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. The, uh, uh, I've seen this report in the New York Post, uh, Dr. McCullough, the, um, the former FDA uh, chief predicted that mask mandates on airplanes will be lifted next month. He's, he's thinking it will be, uh, which, God, people are really would love to remove those masks from public transportation because it's a real hassle. Uh, and so he's suggesting it will if the BA2 doesn't take hold. What are your thoughts on that quickly? I know listeners are really in tune to this travel business. It's become a real chore. You think it's possible or you think they'll push it out another month or two? You know, it's hard to know. I I think people have really, you know, brought up masks as this issue because it's so visible. And, uh, you know, the data suggests that masks don't work. I personally don't fight it if a mask uh, reduces a big spread of a sneeze or uh, you know, an uncontrolled cough or something like that. Uh, it's possible it could show others uh, common courtesy. But everyone knows the masks can't be that important because as soon as they bring out the drinks, everybody lets down their masks and have a sip of their drink on the plane. So, um, you know, the same thing in restaurants. So uh, it's hard to know really what what's being accomplished with these masks. And uh, I'd encourage the listeners uh, to really focus on the vaccines. I think the vaccines are a much bigger issue than masks. 
Well, your, your point is uh, yeah, certainly purposeful there, but uh, we sh- surely would love to see that travel ban <laughs> and with a mask. I know for me, I know you get on planes all the time, right? Yourself. I do. And I have to tell you, you know, I wear my mask and uh, people who know me, I flew last night and the Southwest Airlines flight attendants wanted their pictures with me. And uh, I can tell you, as I was dutifully wearing my mask, my wife, who's a total rebel like you, she that mask goes down. She can't keep it on. She's going to just fight every step of the way. And there's a lot of people like you. And you know what? I think probably it's the best thing to do. Just go ahead and make these mandates. Well, I'm going to sit with your wife, not you, the next trip. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed that one perfectly, man. All right. All right. Enough of the mask thing. All right. Now, I want to get into I want to talk about blood clots a moment and then long COVID. And there's a particular question to let listeners know, we will be doing your questions, the Q&A in the second and third segments of today's program. There's a different format for these Q&As now that we'll be doing, uh, Dr. McCullough and I. But I want to let me get you this question because it ties to this bigger story I want to talk about on blood clots. And this is from Cynthia, uh, Dr. McCullough. She says, in the last few months, I've noticed uh, several deaths or hospitalizations from blood clots uh, for people she knows uh, that are close to her. Uh, There are some extenuating circumstances, so I am not sure whether to be suspicious if they were from the vaccinations. I believe they were all vaxxed because we're from Massachusetts, and I know that each of the families are big advocates of vaccination. So here she says, a 48-year-old obese man who had a knee replacement and died suddenly of a blood clot four days later. A 52-year-old man who was in a car crash and broke some ribs and was sent to rehab a few days later and died suddenly from a blood clot just a few days later. A 56-year-old man who had a knee replacement, these are all young people here, and almost died from a, and almost died from a blood clot. He is on a blood thinner, and the doctors have also found that he has a cancerous nodule uh, in a thyroid and mass on a lymph node. She says, these antidotes raise red flags for me. Does it for Dr. McCullough? Well, these are common, what's called provoked venous thromboembolic deaths, meaning that there was a hip surgery or knee surgery or prolonged immobilization. Uh, So these things happen as a part of, in a sense, routine internal medicine. What we don't know is the overlay and the overlay of who's been vaccinated and who hasn't. The great concern here is the vaccines, particularly shot one, shot two, and then boosters, uh, load the body with spike protein. And the spike protein then makes the body, when put in a compromised situation, far more likely to form a blood clot. Now, I can tell you the blood clots clinically, as described and published, tend to be bigger, tend to be more fatal, and actually tend to be persistent. So the concerning things, and I've seen this in my practice, where someone took a, you know, Moderna shot one and shot two in April, promptly developed a blood clot in the leg. And here we are a year later and it's not dissolved or resolved. So I think everybody should be asking the question, did, did the person take a vaccine and when? Now, if it's uh, very distant from the vaccine, it makes it less likely. If it's within the first 30 days, I tell you it's the vaccine until proven otherwise. Yeah, gotcha. Um, now, are you familiar with the, um, the study out of South Africa and the Stellenbosch University that talked about the micro blood clots? Uh, there's a post on America Out Loud about this that I'll tell folks about in a moment here. 
Uh, but they're talking about long COVID here. These micro blood clots are forming. I mean, quite. they're thinking about half of the people have long COVID that initially had COVID. They're saying more than half of the 236 million people who've been diagnosed with COVID-19 have experienced post-COVID symptoms and potentially have long COVID. And they're talking about these micro blood clots are the instigator in this thing. And they're coming up months and months later. What do we know about this? We know from the early autopsy studies done uh, in Italy that when the oxygen saturation goes down in COVID-19, it actually is due to micro blood clots in the lungs. They're too small to be seen on the CAT scan. The CAT scan actually just reports COVID pneumonia. Uh, and it's really not pneumonia at all. It's not a pneumonic process. It, there are micro blood clots uh, if there was an autopsy done. The uh, signal that we can tell this is through a test called the D-dimer test. Now, about half of patients sick enough to be admitted to the hospital with COVID-19 do manifest some long COVID syndrome uh, features. And it's not surprising that some of them are related to the blood clots. There's a term that's used, and I interviewed Dr. Paul Merrick on the McCullough Report. Dr. Merrick testified in the US Senate in January, considered the most authoritative person in the critical care arena here. And he uses the term organizing pneumonia. Again, it's a tough term because it's not pneumonia, but it takes on a characteristic that once these blood clots are there in the lungs, they take a long time to digest and clear away. They do create local inflammation. The physical exam is very abnormal for a long time, CT scans, and the race is on to figure out how to get these to resolve. We use blood thinners, colchicine, steroids, but I am uh, interested in the innovation I've seen out of Dr. Michael Robb in Phoenix and Dr. Al Johnson in Dallas using hyperbaric oxygen treatment. Wow. Well, that sounds fascinating. Is it effective? Anecdotally, Dr. Johnson was one of my patients when I looked after him. He was very sick. He, uh, similar to your wife, Malcolm, he got monoclonal antibodies, was really sick, got hospitalized. Uh, you know, he's older. He's in his 70s. His CT scan and chest x-ray looked terrible and followed. He sent it to me. And uh, he did put himself through hyperbaric oxygen treatment. Now, it takes, uh, you know, he has to be assiduous and one has to go for the frequency of the administrations and sit basically in a tank at a higher oxygen level. But in fact, it was miraculous how his uh, radiographs cleared up. You know, you, you mentioned my wife and I, I'm still, it's remarkable how how great she's doing, uh, Dr. McCullough. I mean, just, it's it's amazing. And a lot of this, and I, I say that, I bring that up for folks to have hope because we see all the correspondence that comes in about long COVID. This is one of the biggest things, which is part of this micro blood clot conversation I'm having. People are really struggling with all kinds of things. I mean, high blood pressure, they're dealing with the brain fog, they're dealing with uh, the, the fatigue. The, those are big elements, hair loss, all of these things. And the, and, the, and the real weird thing about it is some of these things don't show up until, oh my golly, five, six, seven, eight months later. Is that correct? That's what I'm finding. I, I have to tell you, it is extraordinary. Yeah. The long COVID syndrome, uh, there is uh, almost no research being done on this. The government is not fully recognized. It's very similar to the vaccine injury syndromes. They're almost one and the same because the spike protein is the same pathophysiology. We need a massive push from our National Institutes of Health. We need fully funded uh, long COVID and vaccine injury centers. Everybody should be in a protocol. And we have to figure out what, you know, how to deal with this since it, in a sense, is the aftermath of the pandemic. It, it is. And it's, it's as I was talking on the weekend about it on Viewpoint, it's actually an epidemic in its own right. Uh, and they haven't really even scratched the surface yet of the damage within the healthcare industry and the people that are suffering from it. 
Uh, This is one of the reasons I just want to bring up right now. uh, This is one of the, and we're going to get into a lot of Q&As next now with all the questions you've sent in here. Uh, But, uh, and and I'll tell you how you can send your question in too, uh, friends, uh, moving forward here. But this is one of the reasons that uh, Dr. McCullough and I have been uh, so uh, excited or uh, really trying to get folks to understand the value of uh, healthy cell. You know, you just discovered recently, Dr. McCullough, that Immune Super Boost, one of the, and let me tell folks what's in Immune Super Boost. It was out of stock. They sold so much of it because of COVID, by the way. I don't even know if you were aware of that, that it sold right out. I mean, and they finally have got it back in stock right now. It's in there. And so what's in the immune super boost is the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, zinc, the echinacea extract, the elderberry extract, all the things that people know that create a resilient immune system. Uh, Let's take a moment and because I want to tell people about an incentive, a special on this. How important are these sort of because I think quality of life is so important. These sort of things and nutrients we get into our body. This is what's helped Dio, my wife, is really fighting all this is walking every day, exercise and taking all of these products. What do you say to that? I completely agree. You know, I have my wife's parents living with us now, age 98 and 88. And, uh, you know, through all the age ranges post-COVID, the GI tract is not working normally. People know this, Malcolm. And so when the GI tract is not working normally, these big, bulky, chalky vitamins don't get absorbed. The uh, microgel formulation of healthy cell is perfect. And it's it's a rapid pulse dose. And the way it's set up with the immune super boost and then the other products through the day, uh, one can really fortify the immune system. There is, in a sense, a COVID-related immunodeficiency. And people are now talking about the same thing, COVID-19 vaccine-induced immunodeficiency, and healthy cell is the right response. See, this is why we do this, everything you just said. And I take uh, focus for the, uh, for the well, God knows I need a brain, uh, Doug. But I take focus, but that helps with the brain fog. That helped D a lot. Remember, listeners may not know, I had COVID pretty pretty, pretty bad, not nearly like D, but it, it got me good because that was the Delta variant. Remember, Dr. Ma, that's when it was really the most potent, right? Right then. With we Delta. had some tough, we had some tough phone calls, Malcolm. And I remember yeah. uh, how hard you yeah. were working and how difficult it was for you to breathe in D. And finally, when she went to the hospital, but now in the recovery phase, yeah. which can yeah. be three, six, nine, 12 months, healthy cell and the multiple lines and products they have are the perfect answer. That's exactly it. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, tell folks now, here's the incentive that this is brand new. It's, it's just back in stock right now as I talk to you. I mean, it's just the last day or two. I mean, it's, it's brand new. So they've got what they call an ultimate immune boost and package. Another great product, AC11, which I take every day, by the way. It's great. I mean, it's, it's a product that comes from the Amazon rainforest. Uh, absolutely impactful against COVID and these kinds of things. Um, what they're doing for this special incentive, you'll get a free AC11. It's a $40 package uh, uh, pr- promotion. Uh, anytime you order, the, if you order the Immune Super Boost, you'll get the free AC11. You don't need to check any boxes or do anything else on the website. Just use the code out loud is the key. If they see the code out loud and you do it before April 7th, has to be the next, uh, what, little bit of time here before April 7th, you'll get a free AC11 automatically in the package. And again, all our first time listeners with your order, you get 20% off that order still. Uh, and uh, you can go click the banner ad back at America Out Loud or just use the code out loud, uh, healthycell.com forward slash out loud actually will get you there as well. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, this it really does a great job. I mean, it, it's terrific. And we've been taking it right along here. 
Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this great program we're doing uh, right now, Pulse, America Out Loud Pulse. But let me just tell you briefly, it comes to you weekdays, 5 p.m. Eastern time. And there's an encore now at 10 p.m. So this is Eastern time, but you can hear it anywhere in the world. And whether you're West Coast or in Europe or Australia, we've got a lot of folks around the world that listen into America Out Loud. Um, so feel free to... Uh, uh, to, to check it out more, there'll be a different host every day, all healthcare experts. I'll tell you more about who's on the show on the other days, a little bit afterward here. We'll take a quick pause right now, my fellow Americans, and we'll join you on the other side here as you listen to us here on America Rock Loud Pulse. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Do you know there's no other condition that I'm aware of where vitamins and supplements make such a big difference than COVID-19? We have a an abundance of data that we need to be replete with a variety of micronutrients and that includes vitamins, minerals, and other substances our bodies need. I rely on Healthy Cell Super Boost. That's Immune Super Boost. It's a, a gel pack that can be taken every day. I like to do it before I exercise and before I go out. It's a wonderful supplement. It gives me the immune super boost that I need. Go to HealthyCell.com, use the promotional code OUTLOUD, and get a discount on your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, taking AC11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC11. That's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Now this has been one of the most uh, interesting segments we've done to date. The the audience size on our, these Q&As is incredible. I mean, it doubles everything we've done on the platform. A lot of people listen to these very clearly. Uh, this right now, I didn't say it up front because of the new format that we have here, but this is our 17th one. I've done more on ear on talk radio or any media with you, Dr. McCullough, than anybody on the planet. You know that. <laughs> That's really quite an honor. I thought of that the other day, by the way. I said, you know, you do a lot of media, but nobody's been on like you and I have. So anyways, I thought of that the other day. I said, my golly, we've done a lot of talk radio. So these questions, you can, there'll be a link on the Pulse page on America Out Loud where you will be able to click now and send them in. But you can also send them to talk at americaoutloud.com. Let's jump right into it now. This uh, first one here is from Travis. He says, first off, thank you so much for the time you take to inform the public. You're an inspiration and a leader in dark times. My question is about the second generation vaccines. First generation failed completely, and they still coerce people. We're just saying that. into taking, uh, which at this point is an attack on human health, he says. What is your opinion on the companies working on the uh, muscular immunity and new delivery platforms like a Vaxart oral tablet? Yeah. 
There are a variety of new technologies. There's one basically available now from AstraZeneca is called EvuShield. And EvuShield is the uh, combination of two products that uh, can be given by intramuscular ex- uh, uh, injection. And the two products are Tixagivimab and Silgagivimab, uh, 300 milligrams and 100 milligrams. It's given intramuscularly and then given six months later. And they, it is approved for severe immunocompromised and those who cannot take the vaccines. And so this is a, an example of new technology. Now it's monoclonal antibodies, uh, but for someone who's had vaccine-induced myocarditis or they've had uh, they have severe immunodeficiencies, a, a kidney transplant, a heart transplant patient. We know the vaccines have no effectiveness there. EvuShield is an example of new technology. Well, that, and you know, I can't believe you just said EvuShield because that's the next question from Carolyn. Uh, wow. She says, can you please tell me what you know about EvuShield for COVID as a monoclonal antibody? My sister has lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's, and they are recommending the jab, but I was wondering if this would be a better option. It would be a better option. The only patients I've had some difficulty in deciding is uh, when there's so much immunosuppression or other things going on that we could um, potentially uh, endanger a a grafted organ like a a kidney or a heart. But something like this, um, provided the hematologist oncologist thinks it's okay, it'd be far better than a vaccine. And this one's from PML, says, thank you for spreading the truth. Is there a request for Moderna to release the same information that has been requested from Pfizer? And if not, I'm curious why the focus is solely on Pfizer. In my area, the predominant vaccine was Moderna, though I did not partake. Your thoughts? To my knowledge, there's no uh, actions with Moderna right now, and I, I don't know why. Uh, but Pfizer is in the lead only because they have the biggest program and they're farthest along with their follow-up. And they published their follow-up data in September of 2021. And, you know, in the peer-reviewed published literature and in the disclosed documents, more people die with Pfizer than they die with placebo. So chances are, as Pfizer is prosecuted, Moderna will come in line as well. I know Pfizer is the most frequently utilized vaccine in the United States. Uh, this next one from Lapad uh, says, any news on the Baylor University, a Corbivax vaccine, Corbivax is it? How does it compare with the others? The Corbivax is an antigen vaccine that's not presenting the whole spike protein, but just the tip, the receptor binding domain. And um, I have little hope for it because the virus has shown it can mutate a lot at the receptor binding domain level, like it did with Omicron. And there are no data that I'm aware of with Corbivax anywhere close to the mutated strains of Delta or Omicron. So I think, unfortunately, it's going to be obsolete before it gets out of the box. Now, is that uh, EUA as well, or do you know this Corbivax? It will be pursuing the EUA pathway uh, just like uh, Novavax will. Right. Okay. Uh, Debbie says, my 21-year-old son, healthy pre-med student, got the Pfizer vaccine in March 21 and a second dose in April 21. In December 21, his blood pressure was elevated and the doctor thought he heard a murmur, uh, went to the cardiologist, had the EKG heart monitor uh, for a week, stress test, echocardiogram, the usual, you know. Um, On the echo, he had a 
quad quadricuspid, is it? Aortic valve. He was then sent for CT scan in January. In addition to the valve, it showed an enlarged thymus gl gland, uh, symmetrical fatty tissue. Uh, blood tests show no testicular cancer or thyroid issue, no MG. Um, he does. He goes for another scan in April to compare size. Do you think this enlargement was caused due to the vaccine? I know it makes white blood cells. Have you heard of this in anyone else? And she adds a, a point at the end. He felt pressure, sadly, by the university to get vaccinated in order to continue in-person learning. The reason I bring that question up is because how many times have you said on the show, don't compromise, and here's somebody who's now struggling because he compromised? It is true that um, one can't compromise their health for you know a school or a university or an employer. They, they don't have the fiduciary relationship in Indiana. So if you're harmed, they're not going to have the same concern that you would have for your body. So you have to look at that. If they, if they ask you to, to jump out of a, a speeding car, the question is, would you do it for your job? And a lot of people would say, listen, you get to a certain point, something is over the line. Here, I think this is an example of what I call discovery bias. So the quadricuspid aortic valve, that's been there since birth. And no one detected it. But once the vaccine was taken and there was a rise in blood pressure and palpitations, it drove the imaging to discover the quadricuspid valve. Now, the quadricuspid valve uh, probably leaks. And when it leaks, it's going to put it straight on the heart and make the heart enlarged. So uh, one could have a scenario here where it's true, true and related. He, he did take a vaccine. He has a quadricuspid valve and cardiac enlargement. Um, uh, but, but the two things are, are, are unrelated, meaning the vaccine didn't cause this since it's a congenital abnormality. But the vaccine actually helped the detection of it. So in that case, it might be a good thing. In a sense, we're seeing this uh, with cancer. Uh, Scott Atlas has presented on this at some national conferences where, uh, in a sense, the vaccine side effects cause people to seek treatment, and then they seek treatment, and other things are found that invariably was there before the vaccine. Okay. Uh, Beth says, could you please explain what reverse transcription is and the new findings of this occurrence in liver cells with the Pfizer vaccine? So what the listener is referring to is the Alden paper from Malmo, Sweden, and there Pfizer in a hepatoma cell line was found to undergo reverse transcription. What this means is if messenger RNA is in the cytosol of the cell outside the nucleus, if it stays there and if there is an enzyme that is amenable, in this case, Alden discovered the human enzyme line one, which is a reverse transcriptase, then actually nucleic acids can be laid down against the Pfizer messenger RNA. Those, nucleo, uh, those uh, uh, nucleic acids uh, can then travel together into the nucleus and they can install the genetic code for the spike protein in the human nucleus. And what Alden showed is the middle portion of the roughly 4,000 base pairs, the middle portion, 444, it's a reporter region, it's called the amplicon that was actually found within human chromatin within about six hours. It was far more rapid than we had ever thought. And they used PCR to amplify it. I've talked to a lot of experts and said, what does this mean? It's right in the middle of the code. Does that mean the entire code was actually reverse transcribed? And the answer is probably yes. Now, many other labs will have to confirm this, but if this is a case, uh, um, Malcolm, this is really important because the CDC has always told Americans this does not change your DNA, does not change your DNA. This was the first paper to show that's probably not the case. And as more papers come in and to actually prove or disprove this, 
If we find out these vaccines are permanently changing DNA, then we could really be in trouble because the code for the spike protein and the spike protein itself is nothing but trouble. And, and I can't imagine what people are going to feel like if they understand that now their body is going to be producing this uh, to attack its own cells. Well, that's a big thing, what you just say there, because we were always under the impression, though a lot of people were guessing that it was changing the DNA, but you're saying this proves that potentially it's not doing that. It proves a portion of it does reverse transcribe. It's found in the nucleus. Again, we have to, it has to be validated with many other papers before we create a mass hysteria. You know, uh, two thirds of Americans took the vaccines, as you pointed out, and probably at least half of them are remorseful. They did it. They did it under duress or they realized they were rash and jumped into it too quickly. There's about a third that still want more of it. But um, I tell you, two thirds of the country doesn't want another shot. Yeah, well, that's why the boosters have fallen off and the rest of it. And the numbers are dropping because people are over it just as they're over the mask on the plane thing. Uh, but uh, all right, this next one, Train says, I have never had the shot, but have encountered COVID infection at least twice. No test, though, simply assumed to be COVID by the strangeness of it. My question is about long COVID. This fall, my heart started acting weird. The doctors said it's PVC, nothing to do about it. It was bad, daily attacks of jumping and rolling heart for about three months. That seemed to get better. Come January 22, round of two COVID, fever, stabbing headache, followed by debilitating fatigue for a couple of weeks. Then my heart started acting up again. What is going on and how can I fix it? There's probably a predilection here to premature atrial contractions or ventricular contractions or a range of arrhythmias. The most common one is atrial fibrillation. So the predilection is there. Now we have COVID and we do know that COVID can uh, influence the heart muscle, the respiratory illness, particularly serious cases. And in fact, the arrhythmia fire up. Now it needs conventional management uh, as it would anyway, even in the absence of COVID. But the point is seek early treatment try to keep the duration of illness short so we don't have more and more of these cardiac cases. I tell you, I'm a cardiologist, Malcolm. I am overwhelmed with cases right now. There are so many cases like this coming forward. Well, in fact, there was somebody who, uh, Tanya, wrote a question in about that and said, I'm trying to find assistance for my father who may be reacting to the, who is reacting to the COVID vaccine. His heart has suddenly become enlarged. It's a very common problem we're hearing. Does Dr. McCullough still accept patients to his practice? People are asking. What do you say to that? I do. I'm in a practice in Dallas. The name of the practice is Heart Place. It's a distributed largest uh, cardiology practice in DFW. But again, I am I'm overwhelmed. I have three clinical days. The other two days I am involved in national initiatives. And as many know, I'm a frequent commentator in the, in the news and, and leading a whole series of, of national seminars across the country. So uh, things are tight. If you want to go to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, uh, there's a list of about 500 doctors that um, are the ones who treat COVID early and the ones to hand the, handle the vaccine injuries. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Sarah says, is there a concern about receiving blood from a donor who received the vaccine? Uh, also, is there any concern about having a bone graft from a donor who had the vaccine as may be required for a dental implant? That, uh, you know, I've never heard the dental implant question, but we have the blood donation in the American Red Cross Association of American Clinical Blood Banking. They were notified early in 2021. We were concerned about this. We now know that the serial positivity or seroprevalence studies that, that there are so many people that had COVID 
the antibodies in the pool plasma probably neutralize it. The red blood cells are washed. I think at this point in time, I tell people, listen, if you need a transfusion, take it. Don't, uh, don't uh, try to bake in these worries. The bone graft is a different uh, question. And that one's probably worth some discussion. I think we need the status, both the COVID-19 positivity status and the vaccine status in donors. We should start keeping track. Listen, uh, if, if this has all occurred you know, a year ago, I don't think it's a big deal. But if it's fresh in the last month or so, whether it's COVID or the vaccine, uh, I think we should take precautions. All right. Uh, before I get to some of the other questions and also give listeners a sense of the, uh, uh, the other hosts that are on America Out Loud Pulse, uh, again, you're here in a new format today, uh, friends. Uh, it's Malcolm here, of course, with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, this is our, what happens to be our 17th Q&A that we've done uh, together, answering listener questions. This has been the most uh, successful format. And we hear you. I mean, I, I hear your praise and the comments that come in here. I mean, they're, it's truly remarkable. And we're happy to touch lives the way we're touching lives. It's one of the joys of doing this, quite frankly. Uh, and we see them all. I mean, people are really reaching out and are blessed and always mention these Q&As. So we, we hear you, which is why we're doing this program now. It's exactly why uh, that I'm co-hosting this with uh, Dr. McCullough. Not like I needed another exercise, people, but it was an important show to bring on the types of people I'm going to share with you a little bit uh, after here, uh, the other hosts you'll be hearing through the week. It's a really interesting, informative people with leaders in the healthcare field. Uh, we want to get in the front of this stuff and help people out in the healthcare environment. This is all a different world now, post-COVID, friends. And so we want to be on the forefront of this uh, and help as many folks out as we possibly can. Along the journey, we're going to be partnering with some very unique uh, companies and products and stuff that are going to bring value to people's lives in the same way we talked about Healthy Cell earlier. Uh, I mean, I've been taking Healthy Cell for four years. It's, it's, it, I love the product, but that's me. And, and now we're happy after the COVID world that people really need this stuff and it's, it's valuable. The other thing I want to talk to you about right now briefly is Genesis Fogger and brand new partnership we have with these folks, a very, very unique. So, all right. So in your home, you have people over, you have a party, an event, or even a business, you know, these small business environments. Uh, cleaning the air is the key because that's how these uh, super bugs and uh, viruses, uh, COVID, uh, SARS-CoV-2, uh, it's not that, you know, it's a surface that, that is so much the problem, but it's the, the airborne uh, pathogens that are just in the air when you're doing these kinds of things. So the, the key is to clean the air, clean the air. That's what the Genesis Fogger does. It uses this HOCL, it's a hypochlorous acid that goes into the fogger. I have one myself. I know you do as well, Dr. McCullough. But what it does, what's fascinating about it, and I've used it, it puts in a, a very dry, fine mist. It's a dry, fine mist. So it's not wet. It's dry. So you put this all in the ear and it kills the pathogens, uh, airborne diseases. Isn't that kind of where this thing, You, I mean, you know more about this than I'll ever know, but the airborne, isn't airborne diseases the problem with what we're talking about here? It certainly is. There was a misplaced focus on hand sanitizer exactly. in washing your hand. People were fist bumping and all of these things that didn't make sense. In fact, they were probably coughing and sneezing COVID on top of each other. Uh, we do know that COVID uh, can lurk in elevators, closets, small rooms with little aeration. Uh, there's not only COVID, but there's other pathogens. Uh, I'm sure some of you have uh, seniors in your home or even babies, you know, when the air smells bad, you know what I'm talking about? That means it's actually loaded with pathogens. And so this is a great product. It's addressing the issue. It's aerosol spread 
of pathogens, influenza, COVID, all the other pathogens that we are aware of. And uh, it's addressing it head on with a very effective approach. And we're going to dive more uh, in future broadcasts with this HOCL. I mean, I just hear uh, wonderful things about it. Uh, you know, they actually clean fruits and vegetables with it. It's it's like, uh, you know, it's incredible stuff. I mean, it's it's very safe. And yet it's highly, highly, highly effective against these pathogens. So anyways, it, more information there. They, listen, these people, they've done scientific findings. They've got EPA reports there. They've got stuff from the CDC. All this stuff is there. Go to genesisoffogger.com forward slash out loud. That's the key. It always is here. Uh, use the code out loud there. You, you will get 15% off the fogger. You follow me? So uh, anyways, check it out. Uh, Genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud, or there is a banner ad back at America Out Loud. Uh, so we're going to get into a lot more questions here. We'll take a quick pause again, friends, and we'll join you just on the other side here. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse. It's Malcolm Out Loud here with Dr. Peter McCullough. In this part of the program here, we're doing the Q&As. Uh, we're doing all the questions, answering them. You can send your question in. Just send it to talk at americaoutloud.com. We will get a button up on the Pulse page. You'll want to check that out on uh, America Out Loud Pulse up in the show navigation bar and right back at America Out Loud. And you'll be able to submit your questions through there as well. And there'll be all kinds of neat stuff in there once we uh, get this going. It's a whole new project here. We're really excited about uh, because of the level of host and the quality of the people, uh, truthfully. Let's get to some of the questions here. This one's from Cam Camillo. Uh, Camillo says, thank you for speaking out regarding the dangers of this gene therapy injection. <laughs> I, I hope you, you sort of know when somebody's going when they say that, where they're going. I hope you reach a lot of people and stop them from taking this injection on any and any future ones, as well as just the as dangerous childhood injections uh, to the children, I guess. My question is, are you aware that SARS-CoV-2 has never been isolated, purified, and proven to exist as well as cause an illness? I'm confused as to why you and other doctors refuse to address this important issue. Any comment to that? You know, that uh, I think has been an unhelpful narrative developed by some to say that this virus should be like a bacteria and you grow it in a petri plate. Uh, there are standard uh, viral uh, isolation and development processes. That's actually how the lab in Wuhan was, was working with this virus. Uh, the Chinese have made, made a vaccine out of the whole virus 
that's killed and it's called Sinovac, Coronavac. And a good paper to review is by Caldas and colleagues where they showed the virus infecting cells and you can actually see the electron microscopy of the particles themselves. So um, I, I would encourage the listener to, uh, and many experts are right with me on this, to just basically accept that SARS-CoV-2 is a real virus. The in silico genetic modeling, the electron microscopy, the isolation, the vaccine development by Coronavac, Sinovac, all that is, is testimony to the fact that the virus is real. And it does, it's not subject to the same type of isolation techniques that we would use for E. coli. Okay. All right. Uh, Bird says, since recovering from COVID a month ago, I've noticed brain fog, fatigue, uh, and uh, it, uh, extremely atypical menstruation. Uh, the latter has never happened to me after an illness. I wonder if you have any therapeutic recommendations. Also, one thing that I do not hear many doctors discuss is that since we may not be dealing with a natural virus, is there a possibility that these therapies are somehow deterred? Or is a virus a virus? And do your body systems respond to a man-made one the same as a wild one? What effects could this potentially have on our healing? So they're asking about uh, therapeutics and uh, this uh, virus is a virus is a virus. What do you think? This virus is very different. A paper by Chertow and colleagues from the National Institutes of Health published the first autopsy series showing that the virus is in the human body and replicating at a low level for up to 230 days after the initial infection. It's in the body a long time. Now, that person that was 230 days, who was a transplant patient and immunocompromised. Uh, but no wonder people have long COVID. No wonder people have these symptoms that last for months because the virus is still there. No wonder people intermittently test positive for months. Uh, the virus may be replicated at such a low level, it's not uh, communicable, uh, but it's still causing symptoms. So that's the reason why we need long COVID research. Do we need to give a prolonged course of ivermectin or Paxlovid or an antiviral? No one knows until we do the randomized trials. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more to discover on this. I, I just know it in the months and years ahead, uh, for sure. Uh, Cheryl says, breast cancer, chemo, and surgery in uh, March 2020. I had a good amount of energy. I am vac unvaccinated. Then I suddenly saw a serious decline in energy. Cardio workouts five, six times a week, and now I'm totally wiped out at three. My husband recently told me he had taken the second booster in November of 2021. I guess he hadn't divulged that before. My energy began to decline in December. Can his ejaculation share the vaccine with me? Spike protein or whatever else they're causing problems. I was doing well before his booster. It's three months later. My energy has not returned. Your thoughts? The virus itself has been also, uh, isolated in almost every body fluid. The Chinese did that. So it's certainly possible the spike protein from the vaccine uh, could be transmitted through what's called an exosome through semen. Now, uh, it's been found uh, elsewhere in the body. We don't know the clinical relevance of shedding. It's possible that there was a large uh, exposure. It should be hopefully short acting. Uh, but one of the things that uh, both can do is both can... Um, uh, contact in-cell DX. Dr. Bruce Patterson, who's been on the McCullough Report, he's got a unique test to see if the spike protein is in the body. This could be of interest. The other thing is possible that the recipient, she could have had COVID herself and either a T-detect test or a, a good, a good um, antibody panel. The one I use is Quest. Uh, that could actually help solve the mystery. But if she's uh, now not feeling well and has had previous cancer and all this uh, occur, I think she should see a doctor and get a full evaluation. 
Cheryl, that was a great answer, man. Blessings. That's a great answer. You, you got a lot of insight there. Uh, this one's from Ruth. Uh, I recently had COVID within the last month and I am unvaccinated. What protocols need to be continued having recently recovered from COVID? I say recovered from COVID, no other symptoms. I think uh, one is, is free to you know move about the country and uh, live happily and, and healthy afterwards. I think still in high exposure days, uh, the early runny nose phase or sore throat of any upper respiratory illness, go to McCullough Report and look at the oral and nasal iodine washes. It's actually on the website right now. I'm looking at a dilute povidone iodine nasal oral washes for prevention and treatment of COVID-19. It also works, Malcolm, for the common cold. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. You know, this povidone iodine is incredible. We're going to have a lot of new information and some partnerships to share with you in the next couple of weeks that I think you're all going to be just thrilled with. I mean, from everything I see, it's pretty exciting uh, stuff here that I, I'm thrilled. I'm learning a lot and I'm happy to share it as well, but we'll be talking about that in, in future episodes here. Uh, Sheila says, I recently read an article that says up to 12 months after having the virus, they are finding people having heart conditions and or strokes and heart attacks. They don't say anything about the vaccine. Have you been seeing people without prior heart conditions having heart attacks who are unvaccinated up to 12 months after having the virus? Now, this person's having some heart palps, but the cardiologist couldn't find anything uh, specifically. Uh, she says, if you've been seeing this with those affected from the virus, what kind of test should I ask to check my heart further or any other tests for stroke possibility? Wow. It is true that after respiratory COVID, there is an increased risk of stroke, heart attack, the development of heart failure, and other cardiovascular problems. Now, the paper was published by Xi and colleagues, and it was from the U.S. Veterans Administration system. But the key point is it's typically COVID serious enough to become hospitalized. That's really the risk. And it probably uh, is a proxy for a severe exposure to the spike protein. But as the listener points out, a real shortcoming of these studies is that they don't account for who's taken the vaccine. Now, two thirds of people who had COVID have already taken the vaccine afterwards. So it's gonna be hard. These studies are gonna have to report on pure populations, those who just had COVID and were never touched by the vaccine. Otherwise we won't be able to figure it out. Okay, uh, David says he's unvaxxed, good health and barely over 65 with no comorbidities and on no medications. So I'm in a minority. One day, a few weeks ago, I woke up without a sense of smell or taste. I literally could not wake up and smell the coffee, nor my cat's awful smell and dry cat food. Okay. Temperature was 0 0.71. Uh, let's see, 0 0.71 degree uh, above my personal normal of 96.8. Yeah. I'm lower than most. The next day it was gone. No other symptoms. Is it possible I had Omicron? It was so mild. I never bothered to do a rapid antigen test. Uh, my energy level was okay. What do you think? That's the first thing that came to mind for me. Malcolm, is that was a case of Omicron. Remember, with a mild case, there's probably a small inoculum. Uh, this person may or may not have had previous immunity. And Omicron can be as subtle as just a viral malaise, just this most subtle sore throat or loss of uh, taste or smell for a very short period of time. Especially this person, he sounds like he's really in tune to his body and he's in good health. And then he rebounded. 
Now, how do you figure it out later on? Well, if he wasn't previously immune, the T-detect test could uh, detect the chromosomal rearrangements, or nowadays we'd simply get a multiplex antibody panel. I said the one in practice I use is Quest. I'm very happy with it. It's quantitative against the nucleocapsid and the spike protein. Okay. Uh, Anastasia says, my understanding is that if you had previously had COVID and you have natural immunity, that if you get the jab, it can somehow cancel out what existing immunity you might have. What if you've had two Pfizer shots and a booster, and then two months later, you get COVID? Will you have natural immunity or would the jab have canceled that immunity as well? I think with all the caveats out there from the European medicine agencies and the World Health, I still think the natural infection will confer immunity here. But what we're seeing, especially in the United Kingdom data, the more vaccines people take, the more COVID they're getting, both initial and follow-up. And there is a suggestion that the vaccines weaken the immunity. And how this works is that the messenger RNA is now known to stay in the body for months. Paper from Stanford by Holcomb and colleagues have shown this. And then the spike protein is installed in the body for over a year. And that's been shown by Dr. Bruce Patterson and presented on the McCullough Report. So we have a situation where the immune system, Malcolm, is preoccupied with a lot of foreign material in the body. And so it can be a setup for the next infection. And that's what we call this negative efficacy that we're seeing in the UK data, meaning if someone's taken the vaccine, particularly third and four shots, they're more at risk for COVID than someone who remains unvaccinated. There's another term emerging, which I really am uh, concerned about. It's called vaccine-induced immunity, immune deficiency syndrome, almost like HIV, except for it's vaccine-induced. We're going to have to see how this plays out. But um, again, we we have no long-term follow-up We have no idea when people are going to take three or four shots, what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's why, as you've said from the beginning, uh, you you take a real risk if you're doing a bad trade-off and you're... uh, and, 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 and you are just taking this shot for some particular reason, you know, that uh, a job or uh, a favor to somebody or whatever, you're, you're taking an incredible risk. Uh, so the idea is uh, you, you've got to consider all the facts. And, you know, as Dr. McCullough was just sharing a bit ago here, uh, there's still a, a good piece of the population who still want more of this, which is hard to imagine uh, that that is still happening. I have to tell you. Um, All right, let me now get into what I promised you earlier and tell you about this exciting, exciting program that I'm doing here. You hear us launching this now with Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, yours truly here. Uh, Excited to do this. Now, when we talked about this project and this unique program, you know, initially, uh, I mean, Dr. McCullough, as busy as he is and myself, we weren't really looking to do another program. Uh, But this was so important to us to be able to uh, get these Q&As. We were doing the Q&As on the voice of a nation. So now we've moved them into their own program, Pulse, a beat ahead. But the, the, the different varied information you'll get during the week here, let me just give you a glimpse of this. So you'll have some insight of, uh, of, of some of the amazing people that you're going to hear on this show every day. You're got, this is much must listen to talk radio is what this is. All the shows do go to podcast the day after. Keep that in mind and they'll be on demand. So let's start with every Monday. So this is 5 p.m. again, Eastern time. OK, from the AAPS, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, amazing, amazing woman. So great, articulate, uh, so knowledgeable. 
uh, and direct. I love her because, well, she gets uh, un understands what out loud style is, and uh, uh, and I like that. So she will be the host every Monday on America Out Loud Pulse, right? On Tuesday is some uh, two doctors that are co-hosting that work very closely with McCullough. And uh, in fact, they were his recommendation for this. And the, the group is called Concerned Doctors. Concerned Doctors, a very large consortium of doctors. Uh, they're uh, located centrally out of the Alabama area, I believe. Uh, Dr. Stuart Tankersley and Dr. Jordan Vong. Uh, so excited. And they're two going to be co-hosting on Tuesday Concerned Doctors. And, and these are people on the front line. So each is going to have their unique information. Dr. McCullough and myself, and, and now we'll be doing the Q&As. The different topics on the different days will vary on the other shows, but we will continue our, um, our, our uh, history now of doing these Q&As that become really incredible. Uh, so uh, those will be available on Wednesday, as well as other topical things we'll bring you up front to the program like we did today. Once we get the format down and it, it all makes some pretty good sense. Launching a new show is complicated, friends. You have to get the whole, the whole thing together, all the ingredients. Thursday, Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan, his wife. They're amazing, this couple is. Just amazing. Such a joy to have them on America Out Loud. Uh, Dr. Peter Bregan, of course, and uh, wife Ginger, they wrote the bestseller, The Global Predators, uh, We Are the Prey. And uh, as you know, Dr. McCullough, it's a celebrated book, it's a bestseller, and he talks about it all the time. Um, they will be on Thursday. And boy, do they have a lot of ideas. So you'll hear them tomorrow. In fact, if you listen to this on Wednesday here on Talk Radio. And on Fridays is none other than Dr. Paul Alexander. And he will close up the week every Friday. You'll hear him on America Out Loud poll. So tell me that is not a lineup. Wow. I mean, it's incredible. And that's kind of what we wanted to do here was to, to uh, bring something different to the airwaves. It, you know, when you do a show like this, a pulse, and you change the host every day, I mean, there's certain things that will sound similar every day. Uh, surely the name of the show, the music, the various pieces and flow, but there will be some differences in the content and the style of the host. But I think it'll give you a, a different perspective and a unique vibe uh, to be able to get really, uh, I think, in a post-COVID world, healthcare is going to be key and central. So I think these people, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, they'll deliver all of that insight. Uh, uh, wow, I, I could not be more pleased. Uh, now, there's a, a logo on the front page on the left bar, Pulse, you see with the heart and the globe. Uh, you can click that to get more information as well. Uh, all the hosts are settling up. Some of these, uh, many of these hosts are going to be writing for the platform as well. So whole no wealth of information. In addition to, you see all the content we have at americaoutloud.com. I mean, it's second to none when it comes to content. It's incredible. Uh, so help us share all this out there. And please tell people about Pulse, America Out Loud Pulse. Tell them about it. Let them know. You'll be able to subscribe to the podcast and do all that same way. Uh, but uh, and, and get all this information in, be able to send your questions in to, to Dr. Peter McCullough and I. Uh, we'll get them in here and we'll answer as many as we can each week. Uh, we try to get, you know, we'll get about 18, 20 questions in. It's quite a few, actually. And uh, we'll keep it real. Keep it real. As we say, a beat ahead. Uh, well, my fellow Americans, thank you for joining me here on Pulse. Wow. 
Remember, get involved, get loved.